Oh, I'm so, so, so excited to share this word with you guys tonight. But I have a, a, a prayer. It's on my heart. Uh, and that is that I point always, always, I point you to Jesus and not to me. Because during this season, God is, he told me very, I believe, very clearly to share what's going on in my life in a way that I teach the word and show what this is doing in me and through me. And that it's, it's for your benefit, it's not just for mine, it's for yours. But as I'm doing it, my heart is, is concerned that it's not about me, it's about Jesus and it's about his word. And that that's what you're seeing and that's what you're hearing. So I pray for me, I pray for my motives. I pray for the purity of my motives. And God, that your Holy Spirit anoints me to speak in such a way that it points people to the truth of your word, to your love, to the freedom of your grace and your glory, and to all that you have for all of your children. And it's not a works thing. It's not a works thing in any way, because I'm not working. I'm in this amazing place, God, that I, I know that I've never been quite where I'm at right now. And it is so good. And my prayer is for every one of God's people to hear your whisper in their heart, wooing them into this place of relationship and communion and love that is so big that we can't even begin to wrap our arms around it. Father, I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen, amen. So I'm talking tonight about our heart, the condition of our heart. Last week we talked about the word, and I shared with you the best that I could what God is doing in such a precious, amazing, beautiful way through his word into me during this season of my life, during my own healing journey. And I shared how I have come into this new depth of falling in love with meditating on his word. And I love reading his word. I love reading, you know, uh, the gospels or accounts of, of amazing stuff in the Bible. I love it. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about specific words that he has breathed life into, promises, beautiful words like the one that Alice read at the beginning of the meeting, where it's like God is just speaking to me, and I'm sure he can speak the same exact word to you, but it's very personal, and it's, it's as if, it's not as if, I have fallen in love with sitting in my chair, taking those words reading them out loud, and let God minister to me through his word. In the midst of all of that, something is growing inside of me. A conviction of faith, a, a depth of <laughs> excitement, expectancy about 
the work that is already finished, that's already mine, and and that it, that that part's a done deal, and and this journey that I'm on is is just exciting. It's actually exciting. It's actually been one of the most amazing seasons of my life that I've ever been in. So for those of you who don't know, I don't know if you if Jenny's talked to you or not, but I was diagnosed with cancer in September. And I'm in the middle of um, healing. I was healed by Jesus, but I'm in the middle of the manifestation of healing and God's taking super duper good care of me. But in the midst of this, oh, let me tell you, God's just upping the ante on everything that he's already planted in my heart. He's just breathing new life into, the, into my soul, into my spirit. So last week I talked about this amazing treasure. I, the title of the message was The Wonderful Word of God. I talked about lots of truths about the Word of God. Well, the, the Word of God is the seed. And the seed of the Word is what contains the power. However, it's our heart that, that, that is the soil that that seed grows in. So the fruitfulness of the Word the fruitfulness of the seed is determined by the condition of our heart. So that's why I'm teaching this message tonight about the condition of our heart. Last week, ta- last week we talked about the seed, the word, the power of the word, the sword of the spirit, the medicine of the word. Today we're going to talk about the, our heart where we plant it. So think about a natural seed for a minute. Many of us probably have packets of seeds somewhere in our garage, in our basement, in our cupboard, wherever we keep that kind of stuff. We have those little packets of seed. Those packets of seed probably have been around for many, 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 many years. And every now and then you remember them and you say, aha, I'm going to plant those this spring or summer. So we have those seeds. But as long as they're in that packet, they do absolutely nothing. And yet you can take those seeds that have been dormant for all of those years, put them in the soil, Give them a little bit of water, have the right conditions, you know, springtime weather, summer weather, whatever, and they sprout. The seed, the the hard, you know, the dormant thing begins to soften. The root, the root begins to go down. Teeny tiny root. The little baby sprout begins to come up. It begins to grow. And then if it continued to be nurtured, it grows and it flourishes and it produces whatever it was intended to produce. The word of God is seed and the seed, this is the most powerful, powerful seed that there is. But this word too remains dormant and it doesn't provide fruit unless it's planted in a heart that has the appropriate conditions. So as I was preparing this message, um, I have a teaching that I was going to share and it, it, before I taught this one, and it's about um, the parable of the sower that talks about the conditions of the heart. And there are four conditions of the heart that Jesus teaches this very important parable about. And as I was preparing it, God said, no, don't, I don't want you to share that. And, and, and he pointed me specifically to only one of those soils, the third one. Here's the interesting thing. Only one of the four soils produced any fruit. They were all unfruitful, all three of them. 
the seed pat by the wayside, the seed in the stony ground, and the seed with the weeds and thorns. They were all unfruitful. The only one that was fruitful was the, the, the rich soil, the fourth one. But as I was preparing that, God said, mm -mm, don't need that. This is where we're going. And I believe it's for me because, as I've told you, this is a season for me to share with transparency what God is showing me and teaching me. And this is where I am. But I also believe this is a very common place for the men and women of God who know truth. And that's who you guys are. You wouldn't be here on a Tuesday night unless you're seeking God in a pretty powerful way. And I think a lot of us maybe are in this place. So I'm going to read about the third kind of soil. This is Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And the seed sown among thorns represents those who hear the word, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. I believe in this environment, we're talking about healing. We're talking about Jesus who already paid the price in full for our healing. Jesus, God, who wants us well. Well, I believe one of the enemy's big deceptions is distraction. Trying to occupy us so much with the cares of our life that the nutrient of the seed that we know, we know the seed, we believe the promises, but the distractions of life steal the nutrients. If you have a garden full of weeds or thorns, the plant's not going to grow as, as strong or as rich or as fruitful. I happen to love weeding. Maybe that's why you're not going to find weed in any shrub bed in my house, in my garden, in my planters, anywhere around because those weeds are out of there. As soon as I see them, they're gone. I want that to be my heart. I want those weeds of my heart to be pulled immediately as soon as they try to poke their little heads up, pull those babies out. But here's what I really want to zero in on. When you're fighting any kind of a battle, there are even extra cares. There are loud ones that scream in your face. Doctor's reports, pain, symptoms, treatment, symptoms of treatment, etc., 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 etc. Anxiety, fear, um, uh, financial things, um, the, the, the time that it sucks from you. All of those things can be those weeds. They can be those distractions that damage this soil of our heart because it sucks the nutrients from the seed. So today we're going to talk about removing those weeds and nurturing the seeds. Here's something I'm going to repeat over and over and over tonight. We're talking about the condition of our heart because that's what determines the fruitfulness of the seed. And here's the bottom line. The condition of our heart is determined by what we put our attention on. The condition of our heart is determined by where we focus our attention, and we have a choice. We're talking about the heart. Whenever the Bible talks about the heart, it's referring to our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, our choices, and our emotions. Whenever you're in the midst of a battle, whenever you're in the midst of something that you are believing God for, 
those are the parts of your body that really, or the parts of your, your being that really can get in the way. Your thoughts. There's a lot of stuff that you have the opportunity to make a choice, whether you're going to dwell on it or not, because there's a lot of things to think about. There's your, your choices. You have to make choices. You have to make decisions. You also have the emotional aspect. And the enemy, of course, wants you to buy fear or anxiety or confusion. So there are all of those pieces in this heart, in our heart or in our soul. Our soul is our pivot point. We are spirit and soul and body. And our soul is our pivot point. With our soul, we have the choice to either agree with God and what's already ours in the spiritual realm. We have our choice to put our attention on God and the finished work of Jesus. And when we do, our soul comes into agreement with our, our um, spirit, and then our body has to follow suit. Amen. But that's not usually what happens. Because the world default, the default of the world, is for our soul to agree with our body. For our soul to put our attention, our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our choices, our decision-making, everything putting our attention on the problem because there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to do. And when our attention is over here with our body, our words are over here speaking about the issue because we think we have to, that's a lie. If that's the case, our soul is the pivot point and our soul comes into agreement with our body and what is ours in the spirit realm isn't able to manifest. I don't want to be there. I'm going to read a scripture right now that is, it's a, it's a heart wrencher, but it's from the word of God. In fact, it's repeated three times in scripture. The first time it's in the prophetic book of Isaiah. It's in, if you want to make a note, um, this is the Matthew 13 scripture, but it's prophetically spoken in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And then Jesus speaks this scripture. I'm going to read it in a second. While he's walking on this earth. And then in the book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 26 and 27, it's repeated again by the apostles as they are ministering to the church and sharing the gospel of grace, the gospel of faith and grace. They repeat it again. It's repeated three times in scripture. And this is what... This is what it says. This fulfills, Jesus is speaking, and he says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their eyes cannot hear, and they've closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them because their hearts are hardened. So let's talk about that. The word hardened, hardness of heart, means cold, 
insensitive, callous, unfeeling, and unyielding. In this scripture that Jesus is speaking about, their hearts are hardened to him, to his glorious plan and purpose. And because their hearts are hardened, unfeeling, unyielding, and insensitive to him, they're not able to receive the healing that he wants to give them. But the opposite of a hardened heart is a heart that is softened or sensitive. So I just took those same words and I did the, this, this opposite. A heart that is soft is warm and sensitive and tender and feeling and yielding. So I'm going to share with you tonight some really good news. And it's, I believe it's empowering. I know it's been empowering to me. And that is, we can be sensitive to what we want to be sensitive to. We can be hardened to what we want to be hardened to. And it all depends on our attention or our focus. I want to be hardened to the enemy's plan, to fear, to pain, to the whole cancer thing, <laughs> to the point where I can literally laugh at it, be insensitive to it, and not let it get in here and have any impact whatsoever. Yeah. How do I do it? By not putting my attention on it, by not putting my focus there. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. I can be sensitive to God, to his amazing love, to his word that is like medicine, literally, every time I take it in, every time I speak it out loud, every time he loves me with his word, I can be sensitive to him by putting my focus, my attention on him. Okay. So. I'm going to define, even more than I already have, I'm going to define the problem, and then I'm going to go right into the solution and talk about the solution. But we want to know what the problem is. We want to diagnose it first. So hardness of heart may be keeping us from being sensitive to God, just like the scripture shows us. It may keep us from being led by him in your, in your life or your journey of healing. Now here's an interesting truth. We can be hardened toward God and yet be a very good moral person who knows the word of God. Because hardness is not only caused by rebellion or sin. There is a scripture that talks about hardness of heart being caused by rebellion and by sin. We're not talking about sin strongholds today. We're talking about something completely different. We're talking about sensitivity. We're talking about where's your attention. So, I am going to share three signs of a heart that is hardened towards God. When I first heard this, this is an Andrew Womack revelation. It's from one of his books called Hardness of Heart. And the first time I heard this word, I listened to it, and I was so convicted. But conviction is good, right? Because at least two of the three of these was completely me. And God has revealed it and diagnosed it so that I can do something about it. 
And I want to do the same thing with you. So the first example, the first sign of a hardened heart, um, this account comes right after Jesus multiplied the bread and the loaves for the 5,000 people. We know the story. There were multitudes of people on, this, in this, on the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus was preaching and sharing the word of God. And then he was ready to send them away, but he knew that they hadn't eaten for a long time. He asked the disciples to gather what was there, and when they did, there was only five loaves and a couple fish. He took that. He blessed it. He thanked God for it. He divided it among the apostles, and then when they distributed it, it multiplied. That was a huge sign, a huge miracle, right? Right after that, Jesus sent the people away, and then he went to a solitary place to pray. He sent the apostles to go across the Lake of Galilee. He said, I'll catch up with you later, and that's where I'm going to pick up right now. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. Then Jesus saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked to them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up, to the, he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood the loaves because their heart was hardened. Now, I want to just point something out that I only noticed recently. So here we are. There was the account of the multiplication of loaves. And then there was the account of Jesus walking on the water in the middle of the storm and the storm ceasing. They seem almost as if two separate miracles, two separate amazing signs and wonders. But in the midst of the second one, verse 52 says, they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Right before that, it says, when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they thought he was a ghost. And then he came into the boat and the wind ceased. And it says, they were amazed. Beyond measure, in themselves, their hearts, their souls, they were amazed and they marveled because they didn't understand the miracle of the loaves and their hearts were hardened. The first sign of a hardened heart is a lack of expectation of the miraculous. If we, if we are so amazed at a miracle, like they were, if we marvel and are so amazed in ourselves, in the depth of our soul, then we probably weren't expecting a miracle to begin with. Because if we are in a place of knowing the promises, remember I said at the beginning of this session that hardened hearts can be very prevalent in people who know the truth of the word of God very well. We can know the promises of God. We can know the giver of the promises. We can know his faithfulness. And yet still not expect those miracles to be shown up in our lives. If we believe, if we believe those promises and if we believe in his faithfulness, then we should expect miracles and expect signs and wonders. Now, that being said, when I witness any sign and wonder, I praise 
God, and I'm happy, and I'm excited, and I am geeked. <laughs> but I'm not surprised. Tonight when Dale was standing right on that side of the room, right where he's sitting actually, and I prayed for his knee, and then he walked over there and stopped and said, my knee is 90% better. We were excited, but not surprised. Because we expect God to do something when we pray. Now, the flip side of this same sign of a hardened heart is that this is the one where God's really convicting me. Is that when we see a problem with great gravity, it's so big. It's so, I mean, a knee, that's nothing. But Nathan's got something that's, you know, he's been living with for many years. I want to have that same expectation, Nathan, because God's the God of healing. It's a done deal. So the, the, the opposite side of the sign of the sign of hardness is that sometimes we don't expect the miracle. So when we don't see it, we're not surprised. And that just has to break God's heart because he's done it all. He's finished the work. It's a done deal, whether it's a knee, whether it's a headache, or whether it's cancer, or whether it's, I don't even know what the name is, it doesn't matter, that Nathan is healed of. It doesn't matter. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. And I want to be that person that when I pray, it is so firmly established in my heart that there is no other answer, but it is finished. In Jesus' name. So that's the first sign. I don't want to have a lack of expectation. I want expectancy in my faith. Here's the second sign. The second sign follows two chapters later in the Gospel of Mark. And it's almost the same story. In uh, Mark chapter 8, Jesus does the same miracle. He multiplies the bread and loaves again, this time for 4,000 people instead of 5,000. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him, and he said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. And then his disciples answered him, and they said, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? So here's the second sign of a hardened heart. They didn't remember what they had already seen. There's a connection between our head and our heart. There's a connection between our memory and our heart. A hardened heart dulls our memory. A memory is linked to our heart. So what our heart is sensitive to... <laughs> will remember. But what our heart is hardened to, we'll forget. They had a hardened heart. They didn't remember the miraculous sign. This is only two chapters later. Now, we don't know in time, in the actual amount of, of the, the frame of time, how long it was between those two events, but that was a huge miracle. And it didn't even enter their mind that Jesus could do it again. They forgot. Wherever you're at, whatever season you're in, Pay attention to what God's doing. Look for what God's doing. 
the little tiny things, the great big things, the signs, the steps, the encouragement, the words that he's breathing into you, whatever it is, pay attention to them. Write them down. My journal is my treasure because that's what this is full of. Everything God has shown me, everything he has spoken to me, everything is clarified to me, everything he's done for me, I write it down and I don't write it pretty and I don't write it in, you know, beautiful words, but it's, it's noted so that I can go back and rehearse it. And one of the things I do during my quiet time on a very frequent basis when I'm in my, my secret place with God is I go back and I read and I am just overwhelmed with what God has done. I want my heart to be connected. I want my heart to be sensitive to be so that because whatever your heart is sensitive to, you'll remember. So I want my heart to be sensitive to all these amazing things that God has done in me and in the midst. One of the things that I'm paying very close attention to is my healing right now. My healing was finished, but my healing is manifesting now. So every day, every day, I am so excited about how good I feel. Every day I'm so excited about what I could do that I couldn't do the day before. And I'm just, I, I tell Kent, he rejoices with me. He doesn't get tired of it. It's a good thing. Because I tell him every day, you know, Kent, look at what I can do. Honey, this feels so good. Or he'll say something to me and I'll say, my back feels great, you know, or I feel amazing. And he says, oh, praise you, Jesus. He's just rejoicing with me. But I'm paying attention to what God's doing. I want to be sensitive always. If you can't see what God's doing in front of your face, look at what the word says he's done. Look at another testimony. Go to the 700 Club and start watching testimonial videos. There's all sorts of testimonies out there for you to read. Go to our website. We have a bunch of testimonies on our website. Start feeding your heart with testimonies in the goodness of God. Remember what he's already done. And here's the third sign of a hardened heart. Right after Jesus had fed the 4,000 people, right after that sign, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they started debating with him. They started questioning him. And they wanted him to prove himself with more signs. He had just multiplied the bread and the loaves, and they were demanding more signs. Needless to say, he was very angry. Right after that is where I'm going to pick up with Scripture. He left them. He's referring to the Pharisees. He left them. And getting into the boat again, departed to the other side, once again, of the Sea of Galilee. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? So Jesus, we're going to read as we continue, Jesus, when he walked onto that boat, he was greatly disturbed because of the, the, the poison that the Pharisees were spreading, the unbelief, the religiosity, the, the, the stuff that they were questioning about Jesus, the Messiah, that were keeping the people from receiving who he is and who he, what he was there to do. 
And so when he got on the boat, he went, he went with his circle of his closest friends. And he was pouring out his heart to them. And they were like, well, we didn't bring bread. And he's talking about leaven. So it must have something to do with the bread. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? This is the same scripture that I read in Matthew, guys. Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you don't understand? The third sign of a hardened heart is that you don't perceive or understand. It doesn't mean you don't know the truth. Let me say that again. It doesn't mean you don't know the promises. It doesn't mean you know, don't know that in Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus carried our pain and he bore our disease and the, he took, he, by his stripes were healed. You know the promises. It doesn't mean you don't know the promises. It simply means that you don't perceive these truths in a way that change you. The disciples didn't perceive the miracles of the sign of the, the loaves and the bread. When the, when the Pharisees were demanding another sign and Jesus was saying, you guys are blind, and the disciples didn't perceive what Jesus was frustrated about in a way that would change them, their hearts were hardened. Jesus said it. He said, I guess, yes, is your heart still hardened? It is possible to know the promises of the word of God, but they haven't been become revelatory to you in a way that changes everything. They've become revelatory in this season of my life in a way that changes everything completely. There's no, there's no other final word except the final word of Christ. And I have completely 100% received it. So everything else is journey, a journey with Jesus. Amen. So the disciples had the knowledge. They remembered the facts. They could give Jesus all the facts. But those facts didn't influence their behavior. Their knowledge was non-productive because they didn't have the spiritual perception and the wisdom to use it. So here's the bottom line about hardness of heart. Our heart is hardened towards God when we're more moved by what we see than by what God says. Those are the weeds. Those are the thorns. Those are the, the, the deceivers that just try to steal our attention in the midst of our life. So let's talk solution now. Good news. We can, and it's not hard, we can become sensitive to God and hardened to the world. 
we can reverse the condition of our heart completely in such a way that one word from God, one revelatory word from God can nullify hundreds of words from the devil, hundreds of negative words that have been spoken over you or that you maybe have even spoken over yourself. One word from God can change it all, and your heart condition can change just like that. But it's, but, but, it's our choice. It's our choice. We can become sensitive to what we, to what we choose to be sensitive to, and we can become hardened to what we choose to be hardened to. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks... In his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, that's what we become. What we focus our attention on determines the condition of our heart. So that's what we're going to talk about the rest of this evening. I'm going to share with you four I hate to even call them strategies or, or actions or anything like that because then it feels like works, and it isn't work. It's a joy. It's, it is an empowerment. It is a freeing when we let God be God in our lives. That's, what I, that's why I wanted to start with the song about surrender and letting go of control and relinquish control because it's freedom. It's freeing. It's like putting up a white flag <laughs> and saying, I surrender, God. Come and rescue me, and then letting him. It's not hard. But I am going to share with you four amazing gifts that we can implement to take us out of the place of hardest of heart and into the place of being sensitive to God, hardened to the world, hardened to the problem, hardened to no matter what the devil thinks he's getting away with, because he isn't, he's already defeated, and sensitive to God. The first one is what are you considering and what are you considering not? Let me define the word consider because this is very important. In fact, if you have a pen, highlighter, something in color, um, highlight this. To consider is to take into account, to ponder, to study, to examine, to deliberate upon, to meditate. Are you pondering, examining, thinking about, focusing about, and meditating on Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, the promises of Jesus? Because that's, that's what you'll be sensitive to. Or are you considering the negative? Are you pondering, thinking about, meditating upon, worrying about, focusing on, giving your attention to the situation in your life? Because if so, that's what you'll be sensitive to. I'm going to share a biblical example, a powerful biblical example about Abraham. Abraham was a great man. He's called the father of faith. But this is why he was so great. It's because of what he did consider and what he did not consider. They were both equally important. One of the things that we often do, and I do it too, guys, 
One of the things we often do is we consider God, but we also consider the problem. Abraham had control over his thinking. I want to read this next sentence. Abraham was strong in faith because of the discipline he had over his own thoughts. What he did consider and what he did not consider, what he did not give attention to. And I'm going to read two sets of scripture that give you this and paint this picture beautifully. The first one is Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start with verse 8. Urged on by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance. And he went, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. So that is the first picture of Abraham considering not where he was going to go. Here he was, a rich man with a lot of property, big family, a lot of animals, and God said, go. And in faith, he went. And he had no idea what the next step was. He had no idea what his future was. But the scripture says he didn't even trouble his mind about it. He didn't even consider it. That's making a choice to consider not, because the devil could put all sorts of fearful, fearful thoughts in your mind. I remember when Ken and I retired, we made a choice to retire early. I was 55 when we retired, and um, we did what we could do to prepare financially, but we didn't really know what it was all going to come, well, how it was going to come together after we retired. But we, we felt God was saying, this is the season for you to retire so that you can pour your whole heart into what you, you want to pour your heart into. I won't go into that whole thing. But the, the point I'm making is that we didn't know, but we didn't trouble our mind about it. We didn't consider it. We didn't worry about it. We didn't try to, you know, do this whole long future budget plan. First we'll do this, Social Security, when we can get it, then we'll do this. No, we didn't do that. We, we did the best we could do with our savings and with, our, with my, my teaching pension. And that's all we did. And then we said, okay, God, here we are. And guess what? He has taken care of us every step of the way. That's what Abraham did. Now listen to Sarah. Because of faith also, Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child, even when she was long past the age for it, because she considered God, who had given her the promise, to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. This tells us what Sarah considered. Now, this happens to take place about 20 years after the promise was first given. It took Sarah a while <laughs> to get her heart in that place of sensitivity to God and hardness to the problem. But here she is, considering God and his faithfulness. In the New King James, it says, she judged God faithful. He who had given her the promise. And when she did, that's when she conceived the seed. In the next example, in Romans chapter 4, Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So here's Abraham. There was no hope in the natural for him to be a father of many nations. It didn't matter. He hoped anyway. In the natural, there was no way 
The word hope means confident and joyous expectancy. That's what we've been talking about tonight. That expectant faith, that sign of a sensitive heart. Abraham had expectant faith. And even when there was no hope in the natural, he hoped anyway. And we know the result. But I want to go on to the second half because there was another piece. It wasn't just what he considered. It was also what he considered not. And not being weak in faith, that means he was strong, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver. I want to stop right there first. So he didn't consider the problem, and it was big. It was big. That's for you, Nathan. That's for you, Kelly. He didn't consider the gravity of the problem. That's for me. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I'm not considering the problem. In fact, I almost laugh when I think of it. No, I'm not considering it. No. And here's what he did do. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but instead he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what God had promised he was also able to perform. So what did he do? In the midst of, his, of this journey, he, he hoped, he had expectation, he considered not the problem, he didn't even focus on it, he didn't put his attention on it. What did he do instead? He praised and worshiped. When we praise and worship, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, it's an act of faith because you're praising God for an answer you haven't yet seen. Now, I don't know what his words were in praise. Maybe he was saying, God, thank you for the promise you've given me to be the father of many nations. God, praise you that you've called me to be the father of many nations. You've called me out. You've set me apart. You position me. Praise you. Thank you. I don't know what that's what he said. Maybe he was saying, God, you're great. You're mighty. You're worthy to be praised. But whatever he did, he was in a position of praise and worship. And it strengthened his faith. And he, it says here that he considered, he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was fully able to perform. And we know that he received the promise. His faith was determined by what he, what he um, considered and what he didn't consider. So the question is, what are you considering? What I want to do now is I want to paint two pictures. I want to do the negative side first, the common side that we see the default of the world, and then I want to paint the positive side of this whole um, practical um, life of what we consider and what we don't consider. So here's the negative example. They're going to both start the same, but they're going to be they're going to be very different as I continue. First of all, perhaps you experience pain or symptoms in your body, and because of that, you go to a doctor. The doctor does a bunch of tests, and the diagnosis is cancer. The first thing that you do, this is the default of the world, is you talk to that doctor and get lots of information. You want to know the details. You take your notebook in there, you ask the questions, you get all the details. You walk out of that doctor's office and you start talking to people. And it seems like the enemy is very happy to bring them to you. 
everyone who has the same cancer or knows somebody who had it or a different cancer, it doesn't matter. And they tell you what happened, whether it's good or whether it's bad. They give you every detail and they talk and talk and talk about the problem and you're feeding it. You're considering the details of the cancer. And then because you feel that it's the important thing to do, you read, you research, you go online, you go to the internet, and you read about it, and you do your due diligence so that you're educated, because that's what the world says you're supposed to do. You get all the details that you can possibly get. So you can consider it. So you can figure it out. So you can make your decisions. And, and, because you're a believer, and you know the promises of God, you, you pray. You speak the promises of God. But the issue is you're spending much, much more of your attention and your consideration on the problem than on the promise. And you wonder why by his stripes I'm healed doesn't seem to be working. Your heart is hardened. Remember, whatever you focus your attention on, you're sensitive to. And in that um, scenario that I just painted, the majority of the attention was on the problem. So this person became sensitive to the problem, and very little attention was on the promise and on the giver of the promise. So this person was hardened unknowingly to God. And remember the scripture I read in Matthew where Jesus said, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So the second scenario, and this is where my prayer, guys, is that I'm not pointing you to me, but I'm pointing you to, to Jesus and to truth. I'm going to share my story right now because this is what I'm living, and it's not, it's not a works. It's, a, it's an absolute freedom and a joy because guess what? I don't have to live in that place of dwelling on the problem and all the junk that sucks with the problem. I'm not in that place. This is where I'm at. So here's my example. It starts the same. I was experiencing pain in my body for about a year and a half. During that year and a, a half, I didn't focus on the pain. You guys didn't know it except my ministry team. But I, when I would stand up here for an hour, I was standing up here for an hour in pain. And as soon as the meeting ended, I couldn't wait to sit down. I would come and sit next to you and pray because it hurt to sand. But in the midst of that, I wasn't talking about it. I wasn't dwelling on it. I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't considering it. I wasn't focusing my attention on it. I was considering Jesus all the time. I thrive, as you know, guys, in sharing his word about healing and praying for you guys and ministering. I was ministering one-on-one -on -one in my home all the time, ministering here every week with joy. After a year and a half, I did go to a chiropractor, and I went there for six months, and I didn't get any relief in my back. So then I went to a deep tissue massage person, went there for a month, and I still didn't get any relief. So then I finally got an appointment. I had tried to get an appointment, by the way. It took a long time because of COVID. So I finally went to my, my PCP, and she immediately, immediately that day sent me for an x-ray. 
the next day for a CAT scan, two or three days later for an MRI, my whole spine from my brain all the way down to my tailbone. And then she called Kent and I in um, to get the results. It was on our moving day. You've, I already told you the story. And, but I want to share it again because I think this is important because this is where I chose to put my attention. Um, during that whole season, of course, my heart was knowing that my healer is Jesus and that my healing is finished. Of course. That's my heart. That's my passion. It's my life. But, Pat, even though it's in me, like in me, through me, you know, it's all that I am, all that I do, it still has come to a new place from where it was in the summer, a whole new place. Um, and I think God needed to um, um, open my eyes in a new way and open my ears in a new way because I think my heart was hardened in a way, and I didn't even realize it. So anyway, that day when um, we were going to go to the doctor, moving day, movers all over my house, furniture, boxes, everything, couldn't find a place to get alone to pray. So before we went to the doctor, I said, honey, let's get someplace. So we went outside um, and to the deck, and we sat on the stairs of the deck because all the deck furniture's gone, and we're sitting on the stairs together. And I practiced what I share with you. I prayed. Kent and I prayed in agreement, the powerful prayer of agreement. We prayed the word of God that we would carry the promise of his word into that doctor's office and that his word we would take and it would be in between us and that doctor's report. It didn't matter what that doctor's report said. God's report was between us. <laughs> that was my report. That's where my eyes were, not what that doctor had to say. And we walked into that doctor's report with such peace, into that doctor's appointment with such peace. And we walked out of that appointment with such peace, even though the doctor did give us a, a, a possible diagnosis of cancer. I didn't have a specific because I hadn't had a biopsy yet, but that's what those different tests pointed to. But when we walked off, walked out, we walked out with a lot of peace and a lot of um, just um, protection. Our heart was guarded with the word of God. Came home that day went from my home of 27 years into my mother-in-law's home that very day, and something new happened in my life. What I shared last week about falling in love with the word all over again, that's what started. I delved into the word, into the promises of God, just feeding on it, letting it minister to my soul, letting it love me, letting him love me through his word. And Whenever I felt fear, because I have felt fear, whenever I felt pain, I've had nights where I couldn't sleep at all. I lived with a heating pad or ice, like, almost all the time for months. Whenever I had that trying to overtake me, what did I do? I ran to God. I ran into that quiet place. And I would do one of two things. I would either turn on praise and worship and let my heart just praise God like Abraham did, or I would go to his word, and I would let his word just minister to my soul, promises from his word. One of those two things, I would just run to God. And then um, I did schedule an appointment with a doctor. When I did, God directed it. That's another whole story I don't have time to share right now. I'm going to share next week about hearing the whispered voice of God. But I felt 
very um, at peace with the specific healing center that we're going to. So we went. And when we did, before we did, I did zero research. Nothing. Zero. I have never opened the computer or my phone or anything else and looked up that word. You guys don't know that word that the doctor diagnosed me with because I don't want you to research it. So, nope, don't do that. I refuse to research it. Why? Because I am considering God. And if I open my eyes and read that, I'm feeding it into my heart. And after I feed it into my heart, it might try to take up residence or stir worry or whatever. So I'm not even going to give it the opportunity. I talked to very few people. And the people that I have talked to, I didn't even tell my children, I didn't even tell my siblings, didn't even tell my parents until after I'd gone to the healing center. And when I did, I gave them um, a very good report, the report of the Lord, and I told them not to do any research. I said, I did tell them what, you know, what I was, what, what kind of where I was at in a very simple way, in a very minimal way, but I said, please do not do any research. And I believe they've honored me. I do know this, they haven't come back with me, to me, to share anything, not one person. I did get basic information from my doctor, but just very basic. So what we do now, Kent and I, whenever we make a trip, we go once a month, and whenever we make a trip, we, we ask, we talk about it and say, is there anything I feel I need to know? And we'll kind of have a little bit discussion about some questions, and we might say, uh, that's probably more than I need to know. Or we might say, okay, I'll ask that question. But I'm very, very careful about what I ask and what I don't ask. And I error on the side of not asking. So there's many things I have just chosen not to ask. I do not read the stuff they give me to read. I take it, though. I do take it. At first, I was going to throw it all away because they give you lots of literature on the cancer and on the medicines and on the side effects and on this and that and the next thing. And I was going to just throw it all away. And then same thing with medicines, all the medicines, they give you the little handouts. And in the past, I've always thrown all that stuff away. But God said, don't throw it away. Put it in your folder. And what he has done with me during the season is just twice so far, he has said, I want you to read this piece. And I believe it's because it gives me ammunition to speak. But I've not read anything on um, medicines or side effects. That I have not read at all. I refuse. And even when they ask me, because they'll ask you, are you experiencing this or this or this or this? And I basically go, no, 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 no. I don't even want to hear it. Thank you very much. And I just refuse to take that into my heart. I am making a choice what I consider and what I do not consider. I continue to consider my God and his promises, and his faithfulness. I totally know in the depth of my heart that all is well. I expect the fullness of healing to manifest in my body. And like I already said, I pay attention to all the good things that are happening in there. I'm keeping my eyes on what's good. I want to read one journal account to you that um, is just, as I was, because I've been writing my book and I've just been going over and over that what God's been revealing to me and it's all written down in here. And this is one 
that just stood out in such a powerful way. October the 14th. This happens to be the first time I was at the healing center. And the next day on October the 15th, I had back surgery to remove um, a tumor that was causing compression on my spine. This is what God spoke to me that day. He said, do not react to the circumstances in your life as if they are the final word. They're only temporary. You may feel them and be affected by them, but they must not be allowed to rule you. Live from heaven's perspective. Listen to this. Let truth be your navigator. Be more aware of what I'm doing in the midst of the chaos than the circumstances. Listen to this. Stand up in holy denial. Denying the circumstances more access to your heart than my truth. Live higher. Live deeper. From the depths of living truth inside you comes faith and joyful anticipation that conquers fear and positions you for your healing. He said, let truth be your navigator. That's where our consideration, that's where my consideration, that's where I want it to be. And he said, stand up in holy denial, guys. This is what you don't consider. Stand up in holy denial, denying the circumstances more access to your heart than the truth. We have a choice what we consider and consider not. And what I've discovered, guys, it's so much easier because you don't have to dwell in that place of the problem. You don't have to be in that place of the, the fear and the, and the symptoms. And, the, and, and I've had symptoms, and I've had side effects after treatment, and I've had days where I feel terrible, but I don't have to dwell there. When I wake up the next day, this past Saturday and Sunday, I didn't feel well at all. I woke up yesterday, and I got up, and Ken said, how are you feeling, honey? Because the day before, oh, it wasn't pretty. And I said, I feel amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That, but I have a choice. And so that's what I choose. That's where I choose to consider. So, Papa, I pray right now, before we move on, I pray that this isn't a works but this is a freedom to come into the place of your safe place, of your secure place, of your loving embrace, of the shadow of your sheltering wings, and find that place where you're there to uphold us, to love us, to minister to our souls through your word, to speak to us through your still, small voice, to take care of us. When we hold up the white flag and say, I give up control, God, I'm not going to research. I'm not going to get my brain in your way. I'm not going to lean on my own understandings. I am leaning on you. I'm leaning on you. I'm relying on you. I'm trusting in you. You're my daddy. You're taking good care of me. Amen. Amen. So... I'm going to go through these next two or three um, things very speedily because they're very short. The one I really wanted to focus on was consider and consider not. But the next one is the stupid devil. Again, way darn too much attention. Number two is we're talking about what we're sensitive to and what we're hardened to. We can be sensitive to God's voice and hardened to the devil's. The reason that 
So we hear so many people hear the devil easier than God is because we're listening to him instead of listening to God. Remember, whatever you focus your attention on, you'll be sensitive to. And whatever you don't consider, you'll become hardened to. So we can harden our hearts towards the devil's purpose. And this is another thing that, that I'm fervent about. I don't like to give the devil the time of day. I don't like to give him any glory. I don't like to give him any attention. John 10, this is, this is biblical evidence of what I'm saying. This is what I'm going to teach on next week, just giving you a little preview. And when he brings his own sheep, this is Jesus, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Guys, we hear God's voice. Yet, <laughs> they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The word know means to know through experience. Yeah. And I just prophesy over you guys that you do not know the voice of the enemy, that you do not know through experience the onslaught, the targets of the enemy, because you are shielded with the knowledge of the truth so that any arrow that comes is immediately deflected. In Jesus' name, amen. Number three, spend quality and quantity time with God, being separated unto him. The result, <laughs> this is the byproduct of spending time with God. It's not a works, guys. It's this precious communion time. The result of communion with God is you'll be sensitive to the Father, and you will know his voice, and you'll be hardened to the devil, and you won't know his voice. We can live differently than the world. We don't have to do things the way the world does. I want to look at a, a, a scripture and I looked at it last week, so we're just going to kind of briefly look at it today. But it's, it's the scripture about um, paying attention to the word. So it's Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. But before we read it, I want to compare this to life situations. I call it the attention factor. Whenever you have a grave situation in your life, maybe you're fighting anxiety and you're in a season where you're in a battle against the stupid anxiety and what it's trying to do to your soul. That's just as cancerous as physical tumors. Maybe you're fighting pain in your body. Maybe you're fighting a relationship issue. But whatever it is, that thing tends in the world to steal your attention. It tends to suck your life, your time, your schedule, and everything seems to have to uh, focus around it. You know, I, I can't go here because this might happen, or I need to do this because this might happen, or I need to eat this or this might happen. And you become constricted with this thing that is like stealing your attention. Now, here's my point. If we can give so much attention to problems to try to solve them, we can also change our focus and give our attention to the best place of all. But this is where many of us um, take time away from because we're putting so much time into the other stuff. God says, no, I've got a better plan, and this is his plan. 
Proverbs 20, or 4, verse 20 through 23. My son, my daughter. That attention, that time, that focus, give it to me. Give it to my word. Open up your heart. Take time and let me in. He says, incline your ear to my sayings. God says, open up your ears. Are you really listening? Are you letting my word come in? Are you pondering it? Are you believing it? Are you accepting it? Or are you waiting to see the results before you believe me? Are you listening? Do not let my words depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Last week we talked about the wonderful word of God and how when we choose to let his word grow in, in depth and breadth through meditation, that it grows deep in our heart. He says, keep it in there, guys. Protect it. I want to read this from my notes. You may know God's promises in your head, but then when you see or feel symptoms or hear or research a diagnosis, fear and doubt can capture your mind and your heart. You want it in your heart, not just in your head. I pray, Father, for the word of God to come deep into our hearts, from our head to our heart, that we have eyes and we see, and we have ears and we hear, and we have hearts that are a rich condition for your seed so that your seed can come in and change everything. And this is the everything. Verse 20, for they, for my words, are life <laughs> to those who find them. That's the word che, physical life. And my words are um, health to their flesh. And that word health is marpe. It's medicine, a cure. Those are medical terms. The word is medicine. But in order for the word to be medicine and to be life, the first conditions must be there. Our tension factor needs to be there. I don't want it to come across as works because it isn't works. It's relationship. It's communion with God and with his word. And then verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. We need to guard our hearts because your heart determines what you believe. If you're not guarding your heart, you can receive negative things into your heart. And those negative things that we've talked about cause worry and doubt and unbelief. But if you stand in that place of considering the word, taking in that word, letting it feed your heart, you'll not waver in unbelief. There won't be any question. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So meditation on the word, day and night, letting the word 
be your attention, considering the word, considering the giver of the word, then you'll have success. I want to share two very different stories. And one of the stories happens to be sitting right here, Lisa. I'm going to share a story about Lisa and a story about Sonia. Both of these beautiful women were going through a similar um, season at the same time. Lisa was diagnosed with glioblastoma. She had a tumor in her brain, one-fourth the size of her brain. Sonia had breast cancer that had metastasized to her brain. So that's, that was the concern that the doctors were concerned about. It was the brain. Sonia and Lisa both had this very serious diagnosis. Both of them had a death sentence. Both of them went through treatment. Both of them had, and it was both at the same time. Sonia was coming to our ministry. Lisa, I met through church. Um, and now that's where the similarity ends. Lisa, you've heard this before, but I'm going to tell you again because it's such a good story. Lisa was a member of our church at the time, and I didn't even know you. I'd never met you. I heard your report. I heard, you know, the diagnosis. It was a really bad report. And I'm the healing teacher at the church. So I went to Lisa. I, I scheduled an appointment to go to her house, and my plan is to go and to encourage her and to pray over her and to minister to her and to share the good news with her. But that's not what happened. <laughs> the complete opposite happened. She ministered to me because this girl is living every breath, every day of her life in exactly what I'm sharing today. She considers God and his goodness and his promises, and she chooses to consider not the devil and what he's trying to steal, kill, or destroy. So when I went to her home with that bad report, that terrible report that the doctors had given her, she is on fire with the word of God, and she is completely rebuking the stupid words of the devil and saying, oh, no way, Jose. Because, and this is a whole part of her testimony, I'm not going to go into detail, but because her husband was in a different place than her, he's a strong man of God, but he really strongly wanted his wife to do everything the doctors recommended. Even though she was in a completely different place in her walk, she said yes and agreed with her husband. They came into agreement. So she did everything the doctors recommended. She had brain surgery. Now think about it. A quarter of her, the mass was a quarter size of her brain, and they removed it. And she has, look at her. She's a physical trainer. She had no physical effects in any area of her body. She had radiation on her brain. She lost her hair. They told her her hair would never grow back. Look at that beautiful hair. <laughs> she had chemo. In the midst of it, they um, gave her steroids, and she puffed up like a balloon. This beautiful woman looked like a balloon. She didn't care. She was at church. She was everywhere she could go. She was proclaiming the word of God with power, with passion. She was so on fire. And she, even though, yes, she dealt with a lot of crap. She dealt with a lot of side effects. She dealt with a lot of junk through the radiation, the surgery, the treatment, etc. But she came out knowing the finished word, and living it, and that was 11 years ago, and she is whole and she is healed. 
She chose to consider not the devil's plan, and she chose to only consider God and his goodness and his plan. And that has followed, that's not just, that wasn't just then. That's her lifestyle. That's who she is. That's what she does. She calls me when there's a situation with the girls, when there's a situation with her body, whatever it is. She said, no devil, no devil. I will not look at you. My God is God, and his word prevails. My other friend, Sonia, did not consider only God. She did the opposite. It's not that she didn't know God and his promises. She did. And it isn't that she really considered the problem, but this is what she did. And this isn't unusual. She was so overwhelmed by the gravity of the problem that she wanted to get her head off of the problem. She wanted to get her mind off of it. So she turned on the TV in the morning, and she watched it all day long. And she did not watch good TV. She watched everything else. She was not considering the life of the word. Her mother called me one day. I'll never forget it. Her mother's name is also Cindy. She called me one day, and I was standing on the deck talking and praying with her. And she said, I am so worried about my daughter. All she does is watch TV, junk TV, all day long. She just wants to not think about anything else. She wasn't considering God. And she quickly, quickly failed. But she wasn't considering his word. She wasn't letting that word feed her heart. She was spending her time from morning till night mindlessly instead of considering God. So there's a difference between speaking um, um, from the head and letting, it's not a works, letting the word minister to your soul. But in order to let the word minister to your soul, you need to consider it and be in that place with Jesus. So I'm going to close with this. Number four, be totally committed. Stop the conception of thoughts, any thoughts that are contrary to God's promises in the word. Consider them not. Put a halt to them. Say, nope, I will not consider that. Instead, consider Jesus and his finished work. Consider the stripes on the back of Jesus, on his holy back. Consider the love that he took them with. Consider the death that he died so that we could live. Consider the resurrection life of the Holy Spirit that is in me and in you and in all of his children that is quickening our mortal body. Consider the faithfulness of God. Consider the goodness of God. Consider what you've already seen God do in your life. Consider Jesus. And the third, continuously renew your mind by meditating on the living word instead of the dying world. Because when you do, you will abort the conception, the incubation and delivery of the enemy's plan. You'll conceive the word, you'll incubate the word, and you'll abort the enemy's plan. Amen. Amen.